You're listening to the PFWC podcast with me, Carly Compton, a podcast created to help you learn strategies to overcome that bully inside your head, ways to practice self-love, awareness and understanding of eating disorders, how to embrace the body you have been given and develop a healthy relationship with food, exercise, and most importantly, yourself. Here at the PFWC podcast, we find it important to create a safe space and a place for individuals to come to learn how to create that lifestyle that works for them. We're dropping comparisons, fighting unrealistic beauty standards, and coming together to show the world that all bodies are beautiful and that healthy looks different on everyone. Sit back, relax, and get ready to grow together. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the PFWC podcast. I am so excited for today's guest. Today, I'm sitting down with my really good friend, Kelly. Um, We have been following each other on social media for quite some time, and this is actually the first time that we are seeing each other like face-to-face. So I'm so excited to have this conversation with her. Um, And so, Kelly, do you want to go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, a little intro? Yes, Carly, thank you so much for having me. It's so exciting. I know we've been talking for like 30 minutes before this started. We just (laughs) found out that our birthdays are only like 30 days apart. She's May 28th. I'm June 29. (laughs) Um, But yeah, my name's Kelly Yu. I've been uh, on social media for a long, long time talking about mental health therapy specifically. I love, love, love therapy because I've struggled my whole life with anything and everything. And I feel like that's why it's helpful to talk about it because I think at the end of the day, whether it's an eating disorder, anxiety, depression, family trauma, dating a narcissist, or having toxic relationships (laughs) in your life, a lot of the underlying themes are the same when it comes to struggling with a relationship with the self. And Mm -hmm. I've really been grateful to have a space to share that journey. I thought it was kind of just eating disorders for a long, long time since I was a kid. And then it really just taught me so much more about how all these struggles kind of bind us together too. So I'm really excited Mm -hmm. to get into it with you. Yes. I'm so excited. I love how open you are. And I think that's one thing that like pulled me into your account was like, just how open you were about those difficult conversations like therapy, um, and all eating disorders and body image and like all of those other things. Um, and so I really appreciate that you are providing that space for so many people to kind of like remove that stigma and have those conversations. Um, because like, you know, and like, I know it's very important very important. Thank you, babe. Well, you're so cool because you're actually getting your master's <laughs> to become a therapist. Mm-hmm. And I what, I applied to school, I got in and I didn't end up going because COVID had hit. Mm-hmm. And so I really admire what you're doing and it's my future as well. So I kind of yes. want to know more about you, but I won't, I won't direct it to you yet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. We will get there. Definitely. I, I'm now like, used to having to interview as well. Cause I'm only mm-hmm. on my fifth episode of the podcast. I just started, it's called therapy Thursday. And so mm-hmm. I'm trying to learn to remember that I'm not the host. <laughs> so relax. Yeah. I get that. I feel that sometimes as well. I'm like, ah, can I ask all the questions? Yeah, I know. I get it. I get it for sure. Um, well, Kelly, first, I kind of want to hear a little bit about, and this is kind of, you know, just how we start off every episode is just having each guest kind of share what their relationship with their body has been like. Um, and I'm sure 
maybe that's a long story. Maybe it's not so long, but whatever you want to share, what has that relationship looked like for you? Yeah, I know that as a kid, so I'm Asian, I'm half Japanese, half Chinese. I actually grew up in Chicago, Chinatown. So I was surrounded by all Chinese kids and Mm -hmm. a lot of Asian families love to comment on bodies. There's a lot of uh, Asian kids who tend to have the same body type. And for me, I'm only 4'11". So I'd always been on the shorter side and I did feel like a little stout. I did feel like my sister and I were overweight compared to other children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we noticed that, like, I think you guys, kids, you're, you're really, really perceptive mm-hmm. of bodies, even if no one's commenting on them. And my parents did a good job about not really, you know, criticizing us, but I, heard my mom talk a lot about her body and she was a pageant queen when she was younger Mm -hmm. you can imagine the low fat yogurt skim milk (laughs) uh, butter spray not real butter don't eat the fat on your chicken that's what I remember Mm -hmm. and um but I I was always really self-conscious but I didn't really do anything about it it was just an internal thought and I honestly thought that it was just me who was that insecure right like I was like, every other kid's just running around having fun. And I hated even like walking around. Like I just didn't, Mm -hmm. I wanted to dissociate from my body all the time. I just remember thinking, I wish I could just like cut my head off. I just didn't Mm -hmm. feel comfortable, not even because of the physicality of it. It just wasn't a good relationship. Mm -hmm. And it really solidified a negative relationship for me when I had this huge crush on this boy in grade school and in third grade. We were outside in the playground after school, and I don't know what prompted him to say this, but he came up to me, Carly, and just said, you know, you're like really chubby. Oh my God. Yeah. And like chubby's not, obviously I understand now. It's not like Mm -hmm. a bad thing, but Mm -hmm. the way that was said and the way I heard it as a kid was, okay, that's bad. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be like that. And I only lived eight houses down from my school. So I remember just grabbing my backpack, walking home, and I really decided no more eating. Mm-hmm. It just changed. Yeah. And a lot of us have some monumental moments like that where you just shift because as a kid, you take everything at face value and it's very serious. Yeah, I agree. I had a similar situation in middle school, actually. Um, we were watching, we were, it was like English class and we were watching like Alvin and the Chip, Chipmunks or something like that. Mm-hmm. And love that movie. Right. I know. <laughs> it's so weird, but I love it. <laughs> it's so weird, but it is great. Um, <laughs> uh, so we were watching it and a kid in my class like turned around and looked at me and he goes, Carly, you remind me of Theodore. <gasps> no. And I said, And like me, like so oblivious, I was like, what do you mean? This was in like sixth or seventh grade. I can't remember exactly sixth grade or thing, seventh grade. Um, and I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, you're both fat (gasps) in front of my entire seventh grade English class. And for me in that moment, I was like, oh, that's like, that's so fun. Like laughing. Like, that's just how I dealt with situations. And then everyone else in the class was laughing. No one stood up for me. Um, and so when we left, when I left the class, I was like, I don't feel good about this. Like, 
this really doesn't feel good. So I went to like my school counselor and told her and was like, this like really hurt my feelings. And she was like, you're kids. It's okay. You're just kids. Like you didn't mean it. And I was like, okay, I guess you're right. So I left. And that was like the moment for me where I was like, my body is different in a very wrong way. Um, It's very obvious. People are making comments about it. No one stood up for me when he said this. And so that was probably like that pivotal moment for me. Girl, I'm so sorry you went through that. And honestly, if any of you have not seen Alvin and the Chipmunks, Theodore (laughs) is the cutest funniest one anyone who watches that movie he is your favorite it's so it's but obviously the way that boy said it was Mm -hmm. rude um that's it's so traumatizing as as wild as these tiny moments are they're massive they're Mm -hmm. massive they're like they're pillars to what causes us to struggle so much with the rest of our lives feeling safe in the body Mm -hmm. and and thinking that it's not wrong and I I know when I went home that day, I mean, everything changed. I really Mm -hmm. just, I didn't know um, about eating disorders. I didn't even know Mm -hmm. what they were probably till I was 17 Mm -hmm. because we didn't really have that much internet. You know, I was born in 93. So even in high school, you're not using internet that much. Mm -mm. Um, And no one talks about that, not in an Asian family, but yeah, I was about 10 and I dropped weight so, so quickly. And obviously everyone around me was concerned, but the more they got concerned, the more angry I got because I thought I was doing the right thing, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. he said, you don't look probably ideal. Mm-hmm. And so then when I was trying to reach my goals and play games with a scale and I would never sit down, I do jumping jacks 24 seven. I wouldn't even drink water. Mm-hmm you know, just you're angry all the time and you feel like you're just, just not, everything's foggy. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, no one ever talked to me about it. I do know that my parents were concerned. Uh, They brought me to a doctor just for a checkup. And the doctor was like, you've lost too much weight, mom. You know what you need to do for her? You need to take her home, buy a steak, put salt and pepper on it and force her to eat it. Oh, that's a freaking amazing solution. <laughs> oh my God. That was the only like conversations <sighs> I'd ever heard about it. It's not that my parents didn't care. Mm-hmm. They just had never heard about eating disorders either. And so everyone's just like quiet because or else they'd just be flailing. No one knows yeah. what's going on. Mm-hmm. Did your parents know what was going on or, or, or ask or try to find out themselves? So my eating disorder didn't start until my junior year of high school. Mm. So there was a couple years between the time that that situation happened Mm -hmm. and the time that I actually like developed my eating disorder. Mm. Um, I will say it had a lot of marination time. Exactly. But I will say that between those years, there was a lot of disordered eating that was taking place. Um, kind of similar to you. I grew up in a household where my mom was always dieting. She had, can't believe it's not butter, spray butter. Yep. All of those things is what was in my home as well. She would never, she wouldn't eat bread. Like it was always something new. And so growing up, I just thought like that was normal that women were always supposed to be like trying to lose weight. They were always supposed to be on a diet. 
And so from, you know, like middle school up until, you know, high school, I feel like I was always on something. So I was either like eating the way that my mom was eating. Um, I was also a very active athlete. I played volleyball, basketball, and softball. I also played like, um, club volleyball and club basketball. (laughs) So I was always either at some sort of practice or some sort of conditioning. Um, but I think the hardest part for me was that I was still always like the largest on my team, no matter how much I worked out, no matter what my diet was, like my body was always still bigger. Mm-hmm. And I was a very successful athlete, but that never was enough for me. I, I, right. it just, it wasn't enough. And I thought the only way this will be enough is if I, if I look the way that people think I need to look, or if I lose weight or if I, whatever that may be. Um, I am very lucky in the way that my parents never commented on our bodies. Mm -hmm. I have two sisters and my parents never were, you know, telling us we needed to lose weight or we needed to be on a diet. It was really just like what we were seeing, like my mom do. So we were just, we thought that's what we needed to do. Um, so yeah, around my junior year of high school is when I developed my eating disorder and that came about same as like what you said, I had no idea what eating disorders were. Um, I had no education around them in school. Like I literally did not know. And there was a girl in our school who had lost a bunch of weight and I was in class with some friends and they were talking about it and they're like, yeah, I actually heard she's bulimic. And I didn't even know what that meant. I had no idea. So, um, I looked, went home and I like looked it oh up my God. and that was the start of my eating disorder. Oh, Carly. Why? Yeah. Okay. I feel that so deeply. Mm-hmm. Isn't it wild that when you, I had a really similar, so I had a similar moment, but a little bit in my later years, like, you know, since people were noticing that I was not okay. I really Mm -hmm. felt like I was forced to just gain the weight back in terms of like, and I was hungry. Like, Mm -hmm. let's just, I mean, I was hungry (laughs) and, uh, it's not sustainable, you know? I mean, I wouldn't not eat at all, but you know, I definitely was just really eating enough to just be okay, which would be like, not normal. I mean, it's just Mm -hmm. not normal. Yeah. And, um, then I just started binge eating. I mean, I binged every single day from, 11 years old till about 24. I'm mm-hmm. 28 now. Yeah. Um, and I started going to therapy. The reason I started going to therapy was because of the binge eating, the depression and anxiety when I was in college. Mm-hmm. I was a straight A perfectionist that had three jobs and an internship with a binge eating disorder. I thought I just wanted, I just, I was almost agoraphobic. I didn't want to see anyone, talk to anyone. I just mm-hmm. was obsessed with fitness. You know, that's how I started my Instagram. My Instagram used to be Kelly, you fit. Yeah. My Instagram was a fitness account to be. Oh my gosh. Well. <laughs> right. Cause that's how Instagram started. It was like a yeah. fitness cult world. Mm-hmm. And so it really helped me feel validated for my dysfunctional thoughts as well. Like, Oh, you messed up workout today. Yeah. yeah. I'm proud of you. Don't eat this and then binge on this. And so I think, um, I really thought that was a reason to start going to therapy mm-hmm. and, and I had never really understood bulimia, frankly, because I had an eating disorder. That was the opposite. I, I 
was also envious of people who could do other ones. You know, that's mm-hmm. the dysfunction of eating disorders is yeah. there's actually envy. Mm-hmm. I learned about bulimia from a friend. Mm-hmm. So just like you, I didn't know. And she actually would describe to me mm-hmm. how she did it. And then I started doing it mm-hmm. because I was in a, I did a pageant and yeah. that was a scary time for me. Yeah. I did yeah. a pageant because I wanted to, it was part of like the Asian community in Chicago. And mm-hmm. my mom had won that same title. And so it was kind of this cool thing. And it was for like Asian women empowerment. And I sing, that's what I really actually like to do when it was a chance to perform. But that's when I was bulimic for a short period of time. And, you know, once you start doing that behavior, yeah, it's pretty easy to chime into even now. Like not yeah. that it just, things stick with you. Mm-hmm. 1000%. And I think the scariest part of it all, at least for myself was that I was convinced so easily. Like it didn't take, it didn't take like anything to convince me, um, to, to develop those behaviors. Right. Um, because in my head I was like, okay, it's obviously working really, really well for this girl because everyone in school is talking about her. And I'm from a really small town, a really small school. Everyone knew who she was. Everyone was talking about her weight loss. Oh my God. Wow. Did you see? She looks so amazing. And I was like, I want to be her. Like I right. want to be that girl who everyone's talking about. Um, and it was also sad because I was at this time also in a very healthy relationship with my boyfriend who I'm still with. Oh my um, God. we were dating at this time and I, it still wasn't enough. Like in my head, I thought I still needed to lose weight, even though he was so accepting and so loving and didn't care about, you know, the size of my body or anything like that. But it just goes to show how convinced we are that we need to change. Um, And we need to somehow meet these like unrealistic beauty standards to make everyone else around us happy. Yeah. Um, So yeah, so much. I relate so much to everything. Well, the, the coolest things about, you know, when I started therapy and learned about why even have any of these behaviors, why Mm -hmm. I don't want to stop them. You know, a lot of us, who struggle with these things go into whether it's you're talking to a friend yelling at yourself talking to a parent talking to a therapist you go I hate this about myself it's so bad I want to stop it's actually really really hard to get to the deeper root of oh I actually don't want to stop I I don't because of and everyone has their own reason it helps distract me it helps Mm -hmm. numb me it gives me control um it I'm used to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The binging for me was a big warm hug every night because I felt I had a boyfriend. I lived with a boyfriend. I had, I had a, you know, all these things. None of it matters when Mm -hmm. you cannot heal the relationship with your innards, not even the body. It's just so Mm -hmm. much deeper. And, you know, only through therapy, I realized it's a coping mechanism for dealing with stuff as a kid with my parents. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of fighting when I was younger. Uh, my dad was not present. And even when he was there, he's a narcissist. Mm-hmm. But what narcissists are, are energy vampires who yep. <laughs> have, are, they are not able to be empathetic. So if you shine too bright, they can't stand it. Mm-hmm. Um, everything's about them. And if their feelings are hurt, it's your fault. And so, yeah. hello, of course, you're going to be pretty, pretty messed up. Yeah. No, it's, that's a very difficult 
situation to be in, especially when you're also trying to navigate all of your own things. And you're like, and I feel like the hardest part for me and a lot of people that I talk to is that like understanding of those deeper things, because I feel like for a lot of people, we, we tend to like hide them or we like, we put them so deep into us that we're like, nope, we're avoiding this. If we don't think about it, it's, you know, whatever, when in reality, it's going to manifest itself in some other way within our lives. We can't just ignore these things that are really affecting us and our traumas within our life. Um, and so I think that's probably one of the scariest part for people. And probably one of the reasons why a lot of people are hesitant to see a therapist because they're like, I don't want these things to come up. I don't want to think about these things. I don't want to talk about these things. Um, so I'm curious when you first decided to start therapy, was there this like stigma for you? Was it something that was, um, frowned upon within your family? Um, were, did you feel supported? Did you not? Yeah. Well, first of all, I really do wish that people knew that therapists are, are the opposite of people who want to call you out. Mm -hmm. They only hold space and they'll never be like, so that's a problem. They actually encourage you to never judge your struggles. A lot of times, if you're not ready to let go of an addiction and eating disorder, you're not forced to, Mm -hmm. it's all about doing whatever you can. And the goal is not even to change. Like therapy Mm -hmm. is not about change. It's about Mm self-acceptance and then you can make change. And, um, I started, I, I ended up, um, I was dating a person I found out had also narcissistic personality. So I, I found that out six years later. Wow. Um, sadly, because I didn't know my dad was either. Mm -hmm. I, I only understood my dad was after I found out my current partner was because we went to couples therapy. I'm 25 and going to couples therapy. I love Mm -hmm. couples therapy, but the reason we were going is because I said, can you please stop cheating on me? And he said, no, Mm. that's why we were going. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I was so far gone, delusional Mm -hmm. and manipulated and manipulating myself that I really just thought it was normal. I was like, oh yeah, you know, he's just cheating, but it's fine. Like Mm -hmm. it's really wild what the power of your mind to manipulate the self. Yep. And so backtracking. So I was dating him at the time. I was only about 19 and his family also, I think full of narcissists, but also can't, you know, they all have sides. They're they're also kind people. They Mm -hmm. cared about therapy. They went. And so he encouraged me to go to therapy because he had done it also. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, all right, but I was terrified, but I knew I really wanted it and needed it. I mean, I was just dying. I, couldn't stop binge eating. I hated my life. I wasn't mm-hmm. wanting to be around. So I knew, but I, I couldn't afford it. You know, I'm in college with tons of debt, Yeah, just whatever. And our counseling center, kind of like what you were saying when you said you, I know it was grade school, but it was cool that you guys had a counselor. We did not have yeah. that. <laughs> uh, you could do like three free sessions at the counseling center on campus. And then they pair you up with a therapist. And I'm still seeing that therapist now. That's amazing. There were a lot of times in my life where I couldn't afford it. So I would go Mm -hmm. months without seeing her, but now I'm older and, you know, working. So I have been able to return to seeing her and then insurance changes and you have to get a different therapist, but (laughs) I'm seeing her again. Um, My parents definitely found it 
very scary that I quote unquote, like needed therapy. You know, they're mm-hmm. like, Oh, are you on the verge of suicide? I'm like, yeah, but that's not why I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> like, sure. I have been just so you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that it's almost like when you take action, it's when I took action, they even got more scared as if, because you're not, they're not burying the truth. Now you can't, because yeah. now I need to see someone. Yeah. And we couldn't really afford it. So they were helping. I couldn't really afford it. So they were helping me for a while because mm-hmm. I had to pay my tuition and stuff, but they helped me with the, and they couldn't really afford it either. So they wanted mm-hmm. me to stop going. I said to them, I really don't think I'm going to be around anymore if I don't keep going. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a really, it was hard for me to say to them. Yeah. And now I'm in a whole different place, but like, that was the truth. Like if I keep, mm-hmm. if I don't go, you're not, <laughs> I don't think you're going to see me. Yeah. Um, so it was hard for them. And now, you know, they love that I go to therapy. I might freaking talk about it online, but have they ever gone? No. Yeah. <laughs> Do your parents go to therapy? No way. God damn it. And you're no. going to be a therapist. I'm so God. I know. And I think, you know, it's definitely that like generational, yeah. it's that generation. And like, I feel like with my parents and, and chime in, if this is also your parents as well, But with my parents, it was like, they had this idea that you only, like you said, you only saw a therapist if you were really, really, really sick and you couldn't like function on your own. And you were, you know, like you said, suicidal or whatever. And my parents, I feel like that was their, their idea of therapy. Like you only saw a therapist if something really bad happened to you. Um, And I think with my parents and, and this isn't, it's not a conversation I've had a lot with them. Um, Hopefully it's something that can evolve and become like more of a topic of conversation with them. But I feel like, especially with my mom, like she, when she found out about my eating disorder, she thought that she had done something that it was her fault and that she had failed me. same thing happens. And so with therapy, I feel like, it would have been the same thing for her. Like, why can't you talk to me? Why am I not good enough? Why do you need to go see someone else? And in my head, I'm thinking, mom, I don't want to put you through. I don't want that to be a responsibility of yours. Um, And I knew, you know, they're always saying like, as a therapist, you can never be a therapist for family. You could never be a therapist for friends because there is always that bias. And so I was like, mom, there's obviously things I'm going to hold back and not say to you. Like if I were to talk to you about certain things and I was like, whereas with a therapist, like it's that space for me to really be able to remove that fear of upsetting, you know, her or whatever. So yeah, my parents, they don't see a therapist. Um, I feel like I've tried to get my mom to see one because when her mom passed away, she wasn't in a great space. And I was like, go see someone, go, just go find someone that you can just talk to. That's all. It's event space. It really is event space, everyone. It has nothing to do with no pressure. You Mm -hmm. can literally just say whatever you want. Yeah. And I feel like I find myself saying this a lot too, is like, you don't have to be in a, in this negative space to see a therapist. You could be doing super well in life and like feeling really happy and still be seeing a therapist because it gives you that space 
once a week or however often you go to vent, to talk, to open up, to not feel like you're being judged or like, you know, someone they're going to tell someone else or whatever that may be. Um, and so I'm like, that space is only going to allow you to then get through some of those harder things a little bit easier because you have already been through this, you know, this, what's, you've already been through therapy. You already know these techniques and these strategies. So I feel like it just better prepares you for, for those difficult things that may occur within your life. Yeah. And I mean, even when I'm in the best moods, I go because also therapists help you can also be helping you get to more positive goals. Like it's not a crisis intervention, not Mm -hmm. a crisis line. Yeah. It's uh, you get to talk about what's going on in your life and thinking about direction and the reason why I just still love going, I mean, I've been going for over six years is because I truly do enjoy the process of getting Mm -hmm. to know myself because it's very, it is actually very hard to get to know yourself because we're so busy. Yep. And when you're not busy, you're distracted by Instagram, Netflix, people socializing, which are great. Healthy distraction is amazing. It is very hard to stay grounded in your own thoughts though. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I agree. Did you ever, oh no, it's very scary. Like to sit with yourself. That's why I go Mm -hmm. to a therapist. I don't do it on my own. Yeah. And I feel like when you're sitting with yourself, especially when you haven't had the experience of therapy, you, you don't really know how to process those emotions. You don't know what to do with them. Um, they can get very overwhelming. You're like, what's wrong with me? Whereas if you are taking that space and seeing a therapist and, and opening and processing those things with someone, it feels a little bit more do it feels a lot more doable and a lot more, um, manageable. That's so true because the skills you learn in therapy are when a feeling comes up, a stress, a catastrophe, mm-hmm. you learn those skills because you talk through your ther- with your therapist to process and you learn how to see it for what it is and also not be super reactive, mm-hmm. not and you know that it doesn't have to take over your whole day. That's something I always uh, never could do before. If one bad yeah. thing happened, it would tank me completely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And therapy is so cool. It helps you integrate your different parts, but also helps you compartmentalize things. Yeah. A lot of us do too much of one or the other. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we melt everything into one, which can be helpful integration. But then sometimes we compartmentalize everything and try to keep everything separate, which also doesn't work. Therapy yeah. allows you to move the puzzle pieces around. It, it, exactly. it helps you know that you can do that anytime, anywhere and by yourself. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm curious if you have ever had a negative experience with a therapist, like, was there a time when you weren't seeing your current therapist that maybe you saw someone else? Was there a negative experience in there at all? I did have a really bad experience with a dietitian. Mm. So because my binge eating was so bad, I was going to a binge eating support group, which is so mm-hmm. great. If any of you, I feel like those are not talked about at all. Mm-hmm. Group therapy. I've done mm-hmm. trauma support group, which was specifically for people who had been in traumatizing families, relationships. Also probably, I think a lot of people in the group were, had been married to or in relationship with narcissists. Mm -hmm. We just all meet in trauma groups. We're like, oh my God, you too? (laughs) Cool. I love Um, that. And um, because I was struggling so much with uh, my binge eating, I was seeing a therapist and dietitian at the time. And this dietitian had just had a baby Mm -hmm. and the baby uh, had a lot of health problems. And one time the entire session, 
she started crying about her baby. Oh no. And was showing me photos of her baby. And I could not believe what was happening. I was just so confused, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of di- dietitians do often serve a similar role mm-hmm. uh, in terms of um, a therapist just focused on food, depending on what kind of di- dietitian it is. Some are just very much about plan. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them do do a lot of like emotion based conversation. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that was supposed to be her job. What about you? <laughs> <laughs> it was wild. I was like, okay. Yeah, I feel like that's just such an awkward situation to be in because you're like, what do I say? I'm here to get support from you. And now I feel like I'm supporting. It was scary. Yeah, she was far gone. Yeah, I feel like that. And the reason I asked that question is because I think that's the most common thing I get from people is that fear of what if I see someone and they make things worse or I don't feel like they are the right fit for me. And I'm always telling people like, that's totally okay. It's okay to see someone, feel it out, see if it's someone who, who you do connect with. Mm -hmm. Um, cause that's huge when it comes to finding a therapist is finding someone who you feel like you connect with and that, that you feel comfortable with. Um, but I think there is that like lingering fear of like, okay, what if this isn't the right fit? And then I have to go through this whole process again. And then I have to, you know, reshare all of my experiences with someone else. Um, that was what I saw the most. So last year I was interning at a high school and I was interning with a mental health specialist on campus. And so we were pretty much like the therapist on campus, um, which is very rare. That's not a common thing to have. Um, And so that was one of the biggest things with, with a lot of the students we saw was them being, was them sharing, Hey, I've seen someone before. I didn't like them. It didn't go well in terms of an outside therapist. And they just had this negative mindset on therapy because they had a situation that didn't go well. Mm -hmm. And they were like, I don't want to go through the whole process again of trying to explain myself to someone and share my story with someone which is super valid. I feel like that's a hard, a hard space to be in, but, um, I think it's also just important for people. If you're listening and you are feeling that fear of like, what if it isn't the right fit? That's okay. It's, it's okay to, to see someone maybe only once or twice and being like, this isn't the right fit for me. And then maybe scoping it out and seeing if there's someone else. Oh yeah. I mean, even though I'm still seeing the same person I started with, I've had five other therapists Mm -hmm. and I want to encourage you all, but because of experience I've had is it really takes only about one session for them to really get you like that. It's wild to me Mm -hmm. that they actually do get it because we need to remember they are professionals. Mm -hmm. They are very intuitive. They focus and Mm -hmm. they can actually see threads and themes just by listening to you Mm -hmm. and paying attention. Of course, there are terrible therapists out there, Mm -hmm. but of the five, including the couples therapists that I went to, they have all been amazing and at completely different places, mm-hmm. different, not just a woman, not just a man. Like there have been all different kinds of therapists I've seen. And 
of course I get a little bit like, oh, I have to tell them my whole thing, but also kind of seeing it as an opportunity to see how far you've come. And you're only going to have to do a reintro one time. And they don't really care that much about your backstory. Yeah. They want to know about what's happening now. Mm-hmm. And just like a therapist you see for five years, they will also ask you to rewind. And it's not yeah. a burden for you. Mm-hmm. It actually is really cool for you to go backwards and, and think about stuff. It's really not an annoying rehash. I promise Mm -hmm. you. Yeah. And I love that. I love that outlook on things. It was also funny because a couple of the students that I saw, they had created like PowerPoints for their therapist. Oh my God. Wait, really? So they would be like, they would be, they'd be like, this is my like trauma PowerPoint, or this is my history PowerPoint. And it was just like, a slideshow of everything that they have experienced like throughout their life. And I was like, that, that takes a lot of inner strength to create. Actually, that would, that would even be emotionally difficult for me. And I Mm -hmm. talk about and process so much of my stuff because putting it in writing is still making it so real and real feelings and emotions, as much as I talk about them and process them are still terrifying for Mm -hmm. me. And that's normal. Yeah. Like who, who wants to feel all this stuff? No, we Mm -hmm. learn how to be okay with it. Tolerating. Yeah. Yeah. Tolerate and learn to celebrate over time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think with, with the kiddos that I worked with in the high school, it was like, you know, some kids who were, who were really on that, like severe, that severe end of the spectrum in terms of like what they were going through and that what they had been through in their, throughout their life. And so for this one individual in particular who had one of her, one of the PowerPoints, she was just (laughs) like, she was just like, I got to the point where I was tired of telling it over and over again. So I just need a PowerPoint and now I show up, I see my new therapist and I tell her, here's my PowerPoint. Let's go through it. My therapist would love that. So funny. Yeah. I loved it. I was like, this is, I love this because you really are making this one easy. It was make, she was making it easier for herself yeah. and me as a visual person. I was like, I love that. I can see all of this on like a PowerPoint, but it was cute. She's, what a brilliant gal. Yeah. Um, so Kelly, I, one, am just so thankful because I feel like you are one of those people who I always go to, especially when I am struggling with honestly anything, because I feel like on your page, you're always talking about those topics that like, for me, I, one thing that I really appreciated was you being so open about porn and self and like all of those things, because growing up, that was like such a bad thing. Oh God. I know. Terrible and self-pleasure and all of these things as women. And so I am just so thankful for you and being able to talk about those things. Um, Well, you know what's so, thank you for saying that. And two, I love that you said that because I don't, I feel like I should talk about it more. I feel like I'm only, I do it a lot probably in my stories. Yes. Um, But you know, the reason I think this is important, I'm really glad you brought that up because I think a lot of us include my old, my older, my younger self was so, 
thinking that there are certain topics you don't bring to a therapist because it's like a child adult complex. Like obviously the therapist is typically older than you. Uh And one of the things I've struggled with the most is I'm a very sexual person, but I'm Mm -hmm. very, have struggled with really toxic relationships with men. And so my sexual relationship with myself is so messed up because also dating someone who tends to just value you for the value you give them mm-hmm. and 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 your looks and things like that for me i had to rework like self pleasure and i had to talk about i'm scared when guys touch me or i want to but i don't and it's like those are the things you can lit- your therapist is going to be so happy if you bring that stuff up it mm-hmm. it's not going to be weird they're going to be like oh thank god because sexuality is a major fabric through our, through, through us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like, especially I, I, for myself, the hardest part about all of it has been that stigma that's been around sexual health and self-pleasure and all of these things. And like being told growing up, you don't talk about those things. You don't like, you are not open about those things. That is between you and your partner. Right. Um, and even there were times when I was afraid to say things to to my partner, like saying, like sharing with him the things that made me happy and that I liked and all of those things. And so I remember like the first time I ever did a uh, sponsored uh, post for a vibrator company. Those scares, that scared me my first one. Didn't yes. It and I was Ooh, terrified. What company was it? We don't have to give them a shout out. Anyway, tell me later. We don't it have was, to shout them out. It was Bush. It was, oh, yeah. my mine was too. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember being like, oh my God, my mom was going to see this. Yeah, Can I yeah. hide this from my mom? Like what, what, whatever. And it ended up being the most empowering thing ever because so many women were, you know, interacting with this post being like, thank you so much for talking about this. Thank you so much for, you know, just like normalizing this conversation and, um, my mom never said anything. And then <laughs> I, <was laughs> I did ask. like a couple other, um, worked with a couple other vibrator companies and she finally had said something to me once because I accidentally for one of my posts, I accidentally had like my Facebook sharing on. <laughs> and oh so it God. shared to my Facebook where, yeah, where it's like my dad and his friend, like all of these people. Oh. And my mom was like, you know what, Carly, you cannot be sharing these things because your dad, your dad is seeing this. And what if his friends are seeing this and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, mom, this is normal, right? I was going to say, it would be a concern if you don't do that, unless you're asexual, then okay. Yes, exactly. But I was saying to her, I was like, you know what, mom, like, I hope that, you know, if these older people are seeing this, maybe it's giving them the um, push that they've been wanting to explore this a little bit more and to get a vibrator and to incorporate it into their sex life with their partners or their husbands. And so um, she was like, Ugh, no, 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 Oh my no. God. See, that is <laughs> okay, such mom. A, that's such a, I mean, I know we love your mom. Don't know her, but I yes. know you love her, but that is yes. clearly such a projection of, you know, her own mm-hmm. inability to connect with her sexual self. And it's really sad. And it's also mm-hmm. a generational thing. It's older yeah. and people are different. And I think this is, I'm going to say something really, really vulnerable, but I've said this so much in therapy. I had a huge struggle with like, every time I would masturbate, I would just start crying because Aww. of like, yeah. I feel like it's such an emotional release. And we mm-hmm. forget that it serves 
it's not because you often aren't going to do it just because you're like horny. It's like, yeah. you have a lot of tension in your body mm-hmm. and it's a way to connect with, with yourself. And I would, Carly, I would just like still, even now, I think a few weeks ago, I started crying. I'm like, God, oh my God, someone's FaceTiming me. I'm sorry. Stop. That's okay. I was like, what the fuck is going on, Carly? I literally was like, what? Like, what is happening? Well, I saw you like, look, and I was like, is someone outside your window? What is happening? Okay. Um, But that's been the most wild thing is a lot of times because I associated sex so much with people mm-hmm. like my ex-boyfriend my mm-hmm. ex-boyfriends and then yeah. I always gave them so much credit for my pleasure because I wouldn't do it enough myself so I've been um fully kind of celibate and single mm-hmm. for like about a year pandemic as well and I had yeah. broken up with not the narcissist I dated someone else after that and I didn't like that my sexuality was so tied to someone else mm-hmm. and that's why I would cry and I'd be like so in therapy I was like, I really want to take control of my own body and my own pleasure. Mm -hmm. Which is huge. And it's something that, again, I feel like that's why it's so important that you're talking about that on your page and and here on the podcast too, is because I guarantee you there are people watching that are like, I want to feel, or people listening who are like, I want to feel that. I want to know what that feels like. I want, you know, but they- well, the crying feels great. Crying. I'm serious, it does. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. And they felt like they, they couldn't or they couldn't like open up about it or share, you know, with someone, a loved one. Um, and so providing this space and just empowering people to really- be able to step into that and experiment with that and find really that connection with their own body, um, I think is just so important. Well, you're so important and the work you're doing is important. And thank you so much for providing the space for me today to talk to you. I love you. <laughs> we love need to hang you. out. I know. I wish I would have been on Oahu when you were there. I know. <laughs> I have so much fun in Maui girl. I know. I'm very excited. Um, very, very excited, but Kelly, you're amazing. I'm so thankful that you took time out of your day to come chat with me today. Um, thank you for being like the first person to have this really deep conversation about therapy with on the podcast, because it hasn't happened yet. And I'm glad that you're the person who I had on to do that. I'm so honored. I could talk about therapy every second of the day. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like I'm literally in school getting my master's to become a therapist. And I still learn. I learned so much from you. Babe, I I feel the same way. And I love that we can hold space for each other and encourage each other. And I'm really grateful to have quote unquote met you on Zoom today, (laughs) everyone. We are on Zoom. We are on Zoom. I know. I wish we were in person. I wish. So Kelly, before we wrap this up, do you mind sharing where everyone can find you? Yes. Well, if you loved listening to this, or even if you didn't like it, I have a podcast Mm -hmm. called the Therapy Thursday Podcast, where every single Thursday, I learn lessons from my own therapy sessions, and I share them with all of you. We have five episodes out so far. I'm sure there will be way more, but um, my first episode is why I'm still in therapy. Then I talk about um, why I stopped smoking weed after 10 years. I've been one year sober. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a couple guests 
Kenzie Brenna, Mary's Cup of Tea, and a therapist. So please go check that out. I think it's super helpful for me. And you just get to hear people be very honest about everything that therapy involves and just life overall. You can find me on Instagram at Kelly U. Just look up Kelly U. Instagram, YouTube as well. And Mm -hmm. Carly, thank you. I love you. Of course. I love you too. And I'll make sure to put everything in the show notes. So it's easy for everyone to find you. Thank you. Bye.